All right, John, we're back for another pod here recapping Texas. Um, John, I mean, we'll just get right into it here. We were so close to just a classic Texas choke job, you know, <laughs> putting Sark on the hot seat. Probably not, but, you know, just like we were just, just oh, so close to so many great memes of, you know, down 21 points and coming back to beat Texas. But we just didn't quite have enough to pull it out. Um, it ended up just coming down to a few plays, and those plays just ended up going the way of uh, Texas. So, man, I mean, this is just one of those games in which you had every opportunity to come back, but you just had a few little things that just come back to bite you, whether it's penalties, um, just poor time management, some costly turnovers at the end, but. I mean, Texas played one heck of a game off it, especially in the first half. It just looked like they were in control. Uh, and then they just kind of had their second half meltdowns like they have every year. And they didn't, they didn't, they didn't need to push anything to extras because they, they really took the, took control of things in the first half. They pretty much want, wanted uh, at halftime. Yeah. I was, I saw a comment on um JD Pickles recap for on three. It was like if if Texas or you know if football games were only played two quarters, like Texas would be the number one team in the country by far. They <laughs> they just crush it in the first half. I don't know what happens in the second half. That's for Sark and his crew to decide. But yeah, give give credit to Texas and Steve Sarkeesian. Bijan Robinson, we'll talk about him. He obviously had an amazing game. Quinn Ewers kind of had a sneaky good game. He missed some throws, but you know, 18 to 31 for I think 197 uh yards. I don't know why I'm guessing. I have the stats pulled up right in front of me, but yeah, you know, he made the throws that he needed to make um, to get it done. Um, something else to mention. We were just talking about it, John, before we started recording, but Deuce Vaughn um, passes John Hubert for second all time in career rushing yards at K state. So that's a big accomplishment, you know, two and three quarters years into K state. Um, but if he wants to get to the most rushing yards all time, he's got a ways to go. Um, if he wants to catch yeah. Darren Sproles, I mean, being second all time, he still has to get like over 1,900 yards. So we need to, first of all, just crush it the rest of this year in his final three games plus the bowl game. So four, um, maybe five, depending on, you know, Arlington and all things like that. And then just have a crazy, like actual Heisman caliber year, his senior year, if he decides to stay. But um, I mean, j- that just shows how awesome Darren Sproles was. He was just so freaking amazing. Um, anyway, let's talk about this game, John. Obviously, um, Texas or you know, Texas wins 34-27, um, down 31-10 at half, chance for a comeback. But let's talk about this first kind of big storyline that I think everybody's going to talk about first, Adrian Martinez. Yep. Obviously, um, you know, there we both said that if both were healthy, we'd go with Will Howard just because he's the hot hand. Um, Texas's passing defense isn't as good as their run defense. Uh, we both said Will Howard. I've heard other people say they go with Will Howard too, but we saw Adrian Martinez get the start. He played the entire game. Um, I wasn't mad. I mean, like Colin Klein said in his press conference, I'm at peace with both, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, they're both great quarterbacks. They both deserve um, to start for a power five team. We got off to a great start. He started five of five, 57 yards and a touchdown. I mean, I could not have been more impressed with how Adrian Martinez played. Passed for 329 yards, but just a couple of plays. Um, that really ended up kind of costing us this game on offense. At least there were some plays on defense as well, but overall Adrian Martinez had a great game. Yeah. I mean, if everybody is still pointing out that Martinez was the one that lost us the game, I mean, it may be to a certain extent with the turnovers, but overall, I mean, he, he played as good as anybody could have imagined. And, you know, a lot of people were saying early on, even my, even myself, uh, we were we were discussing this on Friday. Who was going to get the start? I was leaning towards Will Howard since he was, since he had so, so much momentum heading into heading into this matchup. Um, but you know, you start Adrian Martinez, uh, who was ruled out with an injured knee previously uh, against TCU and Oklahoma State. Um, he returns to the lineup and completes twenty four of his thirty six passes, um, which I thought was really well especially when you throw for over 300 yards i think that's that really tells a lot um but you know there are some of the turnovers that started to loom back the field vision just kind of the field vision late was not there i mean when he was about to uh was he when he was about to throw the ball um there are a few texas defenders right behind him and they were 
it, it's it's like the it's like the spot like the disguise in which you're gonna try and uh, sneak up behind and go after the quarterback. And the Texas defense did all their part late to not only force one fumble but two fumbles as well. Um, but you know, so, some of those some of those turnovers are gonna sting. But nonetheless, um, I thought he had a great performance, especially when when considering um, that he's starting to really launch more balls downfield. Um, when you have a 28-yard touchdown pass to Deuce Vaughn at one point, uh, you found Malik Knowles uh, on, over the middle on a crossing pattern that went for 62 yards, uh, as well as a run, uh, including a long run by Knowles after the catch as well. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, you had a deep throw to Cade Warner for a touchdown as well, in which for me, I was really happy to see because we saw some miscommunication between the two not just at K-State this season, but as well at Nebraska uh, in 2020 as well. So I thought that was good. Um, and again, he, he possibly had one of his best offensive outings as a Wildcat, but uh, just couldn't get it done at the end. I think this was easily his second best game behind the Oklahoma game. If we had won this game, it definitely would have been his best by far, I think. If we had scored a touchdown there and then gone into overtime and found a way to win, but anyway, I want to talk about his first half a little bit because yeah. I think even, you know, when he threw that pick and tech, uh, Texas goes down to score, we heard a lot of, you know, we want Howard chance. But um, touching on his first half, first of all, we had a great start. Obviously, he had that touchdown to Deuce Vaughn. Again, he started 5 of 5, 57 yards and a touchdown. Um, and I think one of the things that was really impressive is he was feeling a lot of pressure the entire night. I don't think Hayden Gillen was getting a ton of push on that nose guard. It seems like he was in Martinez's grill the entire time especially in the second half, he was doing some great escape artist acts that he was forced to learn at Nebraska because of their terrible offensive line. But it's it's paying off for us here at K-State. But we only put up 10 points in the first half. But I think that's very misleading for how our offense actually was in the first half. Because when you think about it, John, we scored the touchdown on a seven-play, uh, seven 65-yard drive. But then we have a 16-play, 84-yard drive where we mm -hmm. only get three points which is really unfortunate. We had a chance there. There was that throw to Malik Knowles in the end zone that he could, could have caught. That's a tough catch, but that's a one of those catches that kind of, kind of make or break a game. We settle for three. We punt. And then on our possession after that, we go 74 yards. We go for it on fourth and two. We're not able to get it. Um, so we get 150 yards of offense, and it only results in three points. I mean, that's just really, really tough to you know just so much offense for pretty much nothing i mean that that's pretty much what what speaks volumes to this game uh, especially for when it comes to the offensive side uh k-state's four red zone four red zone possessions led to only 13 points i mean including a failed attempt to convert uh, on a fourth and two just like you said i mean there was there was a lot of opportunities k-state could have had but they just couldn't execute right there um and you know J Jade Brooks for Texas, he came up with a with a valiant play to break up uh, the the uh, pass uh, to Philip Brooks in the end zone. So just another play you would have wanted to have back. Um, and you know there was just a lot of those type of plays last night that you could have possibly got, gone back to the drawing board and reconsider to to um, change up change up a few things. Yeah, it's a game of inches. I mean, I remember watching that and thinking it was pass interference on that Brooks fourth and two jump ball, but watching it back, it it wasn't. Like the reason I thought it was pass interference because he doesn't the defender doesn't really turn his head around at all, but he's not making a ton of contact with Brooks. And I think it was just good defense overall. And the thing that really hurt us in that first half, John, was the terrible timing on Martinez's interception. It was his first interception of the season. Uh, you know, I mean, he's gonna throw an interception. It happens. The time was just really bad. Yeah. Um, it set us, you know, set them up right in our own territory. They go and score a touchdown 24, 10 and 31, 10 are very different ball games, especially when you consider that we're getting the ball to start the second half. So, I mean, if we had just even just three and outed punted and then Texas didn't score, we go into half 24, 10, you're definitely feeling a lot better. Um, looking at the pick, you can kind of see what Martinez is thinking. Um, I think we ran a play similar to that where Malik Knowles is wide open, but he just doesn't see Jalen Ford at all. And it's a really easy pick for him. Um, so that's just a bit tough. His first interception of the season, you know, in week 10, I think you're okay with that as a K-State fan. But 
I mean, going into halftime, you know, things were uh, things were pretty dire, but um, obviously in the second half, he managed to turn it around. I think in particular that drive near the end of the third quarter and into the fourth where we score a touchdown on that Cade Warner touchdown. It was just, I mean, he was doing some yeah. things that were special, breaking out of the pocket, avoiding tackles. He made some really like NFL caliber throws. I was really impressed with how he played on that drive in particular. Well, on top of that, um, in, in the second half, uh, you also had the one possession, which K-State was penalized. They had to go, uh, what was like 15 or 30 yards back uh, all the way. Like, <laughs> yeah, we had first and 35. First and 35, and uh, you find Deuce Bond in the middle. Uh, he just finds ways to create more jukes and just uh, runs pretty around, what would it be, the 30 over 25, somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, a late head late head or just unsportsmanlike on Texas um, would adds an additional stuff, uh, additional yardage as well. So big break. You, you had some big breaks as well. Um, but you are right. Martinez had Martinez had some great throws that really caught my eyes. Um, just something we haven't really seen, you know, uh, Martinez um, just for the most part. Well, especially during non-conference play. It's always it's always been the short passing game that we were accustomed to because he wasn't letting it rip, which was really with some of the problems he had at Nebraska, uh, because he because it might have been the, the turnover concerns and all, but um, it, it it was definitely it was definitely one of his best games from what I've seen, especially um, when it comes to the deep passes down uh, down the field. Yeah, and he missed a couple throws. You know, there was a wheel route to Deuce Vaughn that he missed, and there was a deep throw to Cade Warner that he missed. But that's just football. No quarterback's bad a thousand. Quinn Ewers missed a ton of throws deep, and he missed some quick slants too. I mean, it just happens. That's football, and you got to respect him for going for it because we're going to connect on those every once in a while, especially that one to Warner. I mean, that was almost – that could have been a touchdown if he caught that. But, you know, you got to respect him for going for it. And uh, it is what it is. So overall for Adrian Martinez, John, I mean, it was easily his second best performance of the season behind the Oklahoma game. There's, I don't think you can ever make any sort of sweeping claim that if Will Howard's in this game, the outcome of the game is just completely different. Cause I mean, there's some stuff that Adrian Martinez does in this game that Will Howard just can't do right now in terms of his athleticism and his pocket presence, in my opinion, at least. Um, and I mean, well, Howard, or excuse me, Adrian Martinez just had a great game. And there's, I don't think there's any sort of controversy about whether, you know, what Will Howard would have done if he was in this game. Cause if there's, there's no point in doing the what if game. It just, it just makes it hurt more, honestly, if you try to do that. You, you said it. I mean, even if you brought in Howard or if, even if you kept Martinez, I mean, that, the quarterback situation, don't, don't let that distract you from the fact that, that this game was still lost in the first half. And, particularly on our defense they were not prepared I mean the coaching staff was not prepared for what Texas did on the ground in which if if you kind of want to transition as well Texas just completely re- just rashed on the Wildcats I'm hearing the tomahawk chop uh just outside of my dorm room as well um man that <laughs> tells me as a Broncos fan um but um <laughs> You give up 197 passing yards to Quinn Ewers, 269 on the on the ground as well. Um, so and just a lot of missed tackles here and there. So I mean, you you can you can throw this. I mean, you you can like throw this all around. He's like, Will Howard's a better quarterback. That's not that's not the case at all. I think both quarterbacks have made it have made it really clear that they could start for almost any team. Um, in the power five it's just it's just there are some of those outside factors that are going to come back and buy k-state yeah and before we move on to the defense where you've set me up with a perfect segue john uh, we just got to point out deuce vaughn in the passing game seven for 86 and a touchdown i mean we thought will howard was more of the guy to get deuce vaughn involved in the passing game but he played a really big role in this game adrian martinez was throwing to him and he was connecting um so that was a huge help offensively especially in that second half but let's go ahead and move on oh go ahead john oh i was just gonna say you know at times when uh colin klein eh, well colin klein i i shouldn't say that when casey's just gonna run it up to the middle with deuce vaughn texas is gonna see them they were gonna pin him down they came prepared for vaughn's running game if you weren't if you weren't gonna if you weren't gonna have 
too much success on the rushing game in which Deuce Vaughn had plenty of uh, opportunities yesterday. Some of them, some of the drives worked, some of them did not. Uh, if some of that wasn't going to go your way, uh, your next best, your next best option uh, was to go through the air. Uh, seven receptions, eighty-six yards. Um, he he played a massive role in the wide receivers' role alongside Malik Knowles and Cade Warner uh, tonight. E- even Ben Sinnott as well. I mean, that yeah. as well. Holy crap! Who would have thought Ben Sinnott all people would be <laughs> would be hurling a Texas man? I mean, that's that that was impressive, but. Um, still an outstanding performance by Deuce Vaughn, nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, overall, I don't think there's a ton of complaints besides some of the turnovers, especially that untimely pick in the first half from the offense. But on the defensive side, I mean, they really did not put us in a good position to win right away. I mean, I think Brock Heward said it best at, in his like, keys very early on in the game that we need to put this game in Quinn Ewer's hands and not Bijan Robinson's. And we didn't do that at all. I mean, Bijan just ran all over us. We talked about it in our keys on our show Friday, John. You know, limit yards after contact. We needed two or three guys to bring Bijan down. And sometimes that was enough. And we just got totally beat on some really big plays. But we can't say we didn't have our chances in the first half. I mean, the first drive of the game, we got third and nine. We're not able to capitalize. There were multiple third downs on that drive. And then they get a touchdown there. Julius Brents on the first drive gets ejected for targeting on a silly targeting call. Not saying silly. It was targeting, but just silly that you shouldn't be doing that, um, which was a huge loss. Jacob Parrish, I think, played pretty well in the game, though. So give him a ton of credit for stepping up for our team. Um, Kobe Savage had a ball in his hands and dropped it at um, in on the second drive of the game. You know, Echo Boyd's uh, doe was offsides on that same play on a third, which on a what would have been third and ten. Um, but it turned into second and five and they ended up scoring on that too. I mean, on third and goal, the end of the first half, Josh Hayes has a tipped ball that goes right into his bread basket. Um, he's diving for it and he doesn't come down with it, which would have kept Texas from scoring three points. Uh, just, we were just getting totally railed in the first half. Um, but, and, and it just did not set us up in a good position to win. Especially when you put into consideration the two touchdowns for Xavier Worthy and how much the absence of Julius Brents is going to hurt you. Because really, when you have the best corner on your team and Julius Brents uh, or one of the safeties, I don't know. I It's been a long day. Um, but when you have Julius Brents, um, what, one of your top guys out there going against one of the top wide receivers in the Big 12 and Xavier Worthy, um, I mean, that's that's a good matchup you would have had for K-State, but um, without his absence, you could definitely see some of it linger uh, linger late in, uh, late in the first half, um, especially with all the connections between Ewers and Worthy. Um, and every time it just looked as if there was some blown coverage on the left corner of the end zone because Worthy's just right there and with no Wildcats uh, surrounding him. Yeah, I mean, the thing that stuck out to me in the passing game is we got, like, beat on corner routes, like, five times. I mean, both those touchdowns to Xavier Worthy were corner routes. Right. Um, the second yeah, was right. especially egregious because, I mean, Echo Boydo passes him off to TJ Smith, and we just – TJ Smith doesn't pick him up. We just totally lose Xavier Worthy. How are you losing Xavier Worthy? You know, he's, like, he's the most important guy out there in the passing situation. But I mean, you know, it is what it is. Um, I mean, we were able to, you know, get a huge fumble from Roshan Johnson. That was really important because you're stopping Texas from go over there and possibly score another touchdown. So, I mean, that cannot be overstated. Echo Boydo made up for some of the mistakes uh-huh. he made against Xavier Worthy. I mean, that was just, I mean, the, the way Echo Boydo just, uh, just completely punched the ball out of Roshan Johnson's hand. It's like, um, uh, DeAnthony Richardson of Iowa State. Um, we talked about when Malik Knowles. He was about to go into the end zone. Uh, he 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 pops the ball out of Knowles uh, Knowles uh, arms, uh, and then the next thing you know, kind of the same result right there with Texas. And I guarantee you, if that played, if if the ball was kept in uh, Roshan Johnson's hands, Texas was likely going to score on that drive. But I mean, that was just an absolute. That, that was a much needed turnover. I mean, K State benefited off a lot of turnovers um, when things weren't when things weren't working right with the offense. Um, I want to talk about that Echo Boydo uh, turnover. 
Um, there was also another fumble. I, yeah, yeah I in believe the second it. half, Josh Hayes lit up Xavier Worthy for mm-hmm. a fumble too. I, I loved watching that one. Um, just quickly for the first half stats, John, 161 rushing yards for Bijan just in the first half, 352 total yards of offense. Um, I have here in my notes for the second half that we nutted up um, as a defense in the second half, only 63 rushing yards, 114 total yards in the second half um, for the Texas offense against this K-State defense. Um, Texas still had their share of big plays, but when you're only giving up three points in the second half, you know, you really can't complain. The penalties, the the refs start getting a lot more involved in the oh, second yeah. half, especially with some unsportsmanlike conduct stuff and all that on both sides. Um, and then there's the miss face mask too, but yeah, that, I don't, I don't that, want to talk with the officiating too much. That was that. Well, that one really like, the likes of Kellis Robinette and Derek Young even pointed that out on Twitter. I mean, everybody in the stadium, uh, knew that was a face mask. I mean, I, I don't know if it's just the officiating just completely, completely riding off of Texas, but I mean, I I don't know. It's just calls like that, especially when you're playing the likes of Texas football or Kansas basketball. You're just going to see <laughs> some of the calls lean towards their way. And I'm trying not to come out here and cry about it, but you can, I mean, you can very well see that there's some, there are some calls that were, that were pretty lenient, lean, uh, heavy towards Texas late in that game as well. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, that sequence of the missed face mask into two false starts in a row was just, I mean, that's just such a momentum killer. And just, I mean, it took the wind out of the sails at everybody at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. But, I mean, overall, I mean, our, our first half um, defensive performance was just terrible. But we tried to make up for it in the second half, and we were really, really close. Which brings me kind of to this third storyline that I want to hit on is our time management at the oh. end of the game. Um, so let's just kind of recap the end of this game here so we're all on the same page. So um, 7.15 left in the game. We are in the red zone and we're down 34 to 24. We have all three timeouts. Uh, we run the ball twice, which takes off a ton of time. We kick a field goal with four minutes and 30 seconds left to make it 34-27. We have not taken a timeout. So we're only down one score, four and a half minutes left. Um, all three timeouts. Now, I think Fitz asked him about this in the post-game press conference, but um, Malik Knowles actually got dinged up sometime near the end of that drive. So they had to make a substitution, which caused some personnel confusion, which is why I think there was one play that we got pretty low on the play clock. So that's kind of where that confusion came from at a lot of the time, poor time management, at least in that situation came from, but it's not the end of the world. Still four minutes and 30 seconds left, right? Texas, they get the ball. They go three and out including a third down play, just completely blown up by Kobe Savage. So man, that, awesome to see. That, 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 he just yards. took it right out of them, man. Oh, that was so awesome. And he was hyped. We only have Every, to use everybody in the stadium was hyped. I mean, that, that one play just really intensified that K-State crowd. Yeah. So oh, Texas goes, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> so they go, they go three and out. We only have to use one timeout. We Texas gets a really good bounce on their punt. It's inside the 20, 243 left, two timeouts. In terms of the time, pretty much a best case scenario. I mean, a little more than 90 seconds and one timeout for, you know, when there's 430 left, when they get the ball, that's not terrible. Um, So with one minute and 32 seconds left, we're on our own 46-yard line. We haven't used a timeout. So we're not bad, making ground. Um, on third and 12, this is where things start to the time management gets a little questionable, at least in my opinion. On third and 12, there's a minute and 19 seconds left. We get six yards on a pass to RJ Garcia. It's fourth and six. We talk clock is still ticking. We don't call timeout. I don't really get that. This is the most important play of the game. You have two timeouts. So even if you use a timeout, you still have one to spare if Martinez gets sacked or you need to, you know, just for any sort of reason. I don't know why we don't call a timeout here to draw something out that we really want, but it is what it is. We, we convert, we get the first down on fourth and six um, with 37 seconds left. The clock stops for a little bit, uh, five seconds run off before we run the next play. And of course that next play is the Adrian Martinez fumble where we end up losing the game. So um, obviously I don't know why we don't call a timeout before the fourth and six or after, 
Kleiman mentioned that he was planning on calling a timeout one play, like the play after the Martinez fumble. But I don't know. Just uh, that's just kind of rubs me the wrong way. Um, yeah. I mean, very frustrating. But there was no way to sugarcoat this. K State played as if there was no urgency until the final, but until the final minute. I mean, they needed to score quickly uh, to to get a potential game winning drive. Uh, I mean, well, game tying drive, which leading to overtime. And I mean, it, it looked as if around the five or four minute mark before Ty Zentner uh, kicked the three, uh, the field goal, it just looked like K State was still. It, it didn't look like K State was in too much of a hurry. I mean, they were just running the ball. Uh, they were pretty much just running the ball in the red zone, and Texas just kept stalling them for the most part. And then on top of that, um, just just a uh, a few more pl- uh, plays wasted on uh, wasted on the clock. I mean, I mean the it it, it it you're right. It's just really the time management that just really comes back to bite K State. Um. Yeah, go ahead. I was about to say, it's not really a situation that we're too familiar with, even like even in all the decades, you know, previous, it seems like we've never really been good in those kind of situations. We've always been a time of possession, you know, milk the clock kind of team. And even this year, like I mentioned it um, on our show Friday, John, we hadn't really trailed a lot, especially um, early in games. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, we were put in a really interesting situation to be down 31-10, and kind of most slowly methodically make a comeback. And we almost did it. It just wasn't, wasn't quite enough. And I will point out, you know, obviously Jason Benetti, Brock Heward, they're a great broadcast, right? I think they did a really good job this game. The one thing that was really annoying is with 24 seconds left, you know, we just fumbled. All Texas needs to do is take a knee to end the game. We take a media timeout. So, I mean, we're just sitting there for two and a half minutes, twiddling our thumbs, waiting for Texas to run one. Pl- I'm sure it didn't really matter for the fans because everybody laughed already. You know, I mean, that, was, over, that, that wasn't on Jason Minetti or Brock Heward either. That, that was just yeah. on Fox. Yeah, I don't just take it after. I mean, I they had like uh, UCLA, Arizona State, but that, I think that game was until 1030 and it was like 10. It's oh, anyway, I was just like, that's kind of annoying because like, you know, from a video board show perspective, it's like, what are we supposed to do? Like, what are we do a dance cam or something? We're, we're about to lose. Yeah, we, we, we got nothing else to do. Uh, just cue it to Frank trace. I'm sure the band has something. Yeah. yeah uh, that's pretty much what we did. <laughs> just play sandstorm. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> that's how you get them to stay. Oh man. Um, man. yeah, this just, it's, it was a game of inches that come down to a few plays. You know, you think of a couple, almost interceptions, um, by Kobe Savage, Josh Hayes, um, near the end of that first half, um, the Adrian Martinez in- interception into the Texas touchdown really hurts when you considering, you know, if we come out of the half and, or if, you know, I don't think we scored on our first drive, but if we go out and score in the second half to make it 24, 17, instead of 31, 17, that's a lot different, you know, and we're 24, 24 going late into the game. I mean, everything is just so much different. If that doesn't happen, it's a big game of what ifs. Um, and I mean, obviously after the loss, um, we drop 10 spots in the AP poll, nine in the coaches poll, I believe um, dropped to 23. Uh, I don't know how you feel, John. I feel like that's a lot. I mean, it's a little weird. I, like I felt as if that was a lot too. Yeah. Just to, to jump nine spots after a win and then 10 spots after a loss. It just seems like the voters have no clue what to make of our team. <laughs> I mean, I, I I was looking at this earlier. I mean, they, I mean, you're looking at some of the teams in which K State really is better than. I mean, Notre Dame, Notre Dame's looking a lot better. I'll, I'll admit that. Liberty's number nineteen after beating uh just a very disappointing Arkansas team. Uh, I'm not sure about that either. Uh, what in what world does Illinois have any business at being in the top twenty five right now? <laughs> Especially in front of us when they lose to Michigan State. Oh, uh, my gosh. One of the worst Michigan State teams in history, and yet they're still ahead of us, a, a K-State team who, who loses to uh, uh, a college football playoff-ranked Texas team, by all means. But I don't know. It, it is what it is. We'll, we'll get praised by the AP. We'll get downpoured by the AP. It's disappointing, too, that we're not even taking too many – 
excuse me, man. I I am not not on my A game today. Um, but it, it is disappointing when you're looking at some of the ways that they're determining, like other other sports organizations are determining uh their, their uh postseason systems, you know, with the FCS and oh what else? The NFL, MLB. They're gonna focus on the record first, but when it comes to the college football committee, some of the voters, it's just gonna be the complete bias. And I won't get too far into it. But I mean, it just look I mean, but you're already seeing some of these teams, especially like Notre Dame, where they have possibly the worst losses out of all the six and three teams to Marshall and Stanford. Oh next thing next thing you know, uh they're number twenty ahead of uh a a K-State team that, that's lost to three top 25 teams, Washington, who only has two losses, UCF, who only has two losses as well. I mean, I, I don't know. It just – in Cincinnati as well, they only have two losses as well. So, I, I don't know. It just it just boggles my mind at times. But, you know, you can you can only play football. I mean, but yeah, that, that that's pretty much the main goal for, for all the players – you can't focus on too much on what the media has has to say until the end of a season. Uh, you just got it. You just got to prove prove in day in and day out that you are able to compete at the hierarchy of college football. And just from a college football in general perspective, it's going to be really interesting how the CFP plays out with Tennessee losing, Clemson losing, um, and then I mean Bama losing, kind of just putting them out of the playoff race. In oh, general, I'm very, I'm very happy, dude. <laughs> we finally won't get to see Alabama or Clemson in the playoffs. It's like America wins. Yeah, America. it's and TCU and TCU now, especially. I mean, Clemson skids off and barely survives against the likes of Syracuse, NC State, and Wake Forest. Three very disappointing ACC teams. Meanwhile, TCU has already gotten. Four top 25 wins at KU. They beat Oklahoma, beat Oklahoma State, and they beat K-State as well. And they're in what where are they ranked? Behind a one-loss Alabama team and Clemson. Well, uh, we we got our we got our wish which which is granted. TCU's now in the AP rankings top four. We'll see what what comes out on Tuesday. But from a Big 12 perspective, you like it. And especially from a K-State perspective, too, because I mean, looking at the Big 12 race, we can touch on it a little bit more. We kind of have to cheer for TCU for the rest of the season as well. So, yeah, um, still, still a lot of football to, to be played. No, yeah, that's exactly what my next point was going to be, getting back to kind of K-State oriented. Um, Big 12 title hopes here because, I mean, we're tied with t- uh, Texas and Baylor for second. We play Baylor next week. And then mm-hmm. oh, what's Baylor's – what's the rest of Baylor's schedule? Because it's brutal. <laughs> they have TCU and oh, Texas man. still. K State, TCU, and Texas. Ooh, that's tough. I um, mean, oh, Texas ahead. still has to play TCU as well, and they have to play Baylor, and they have to play Kansas. Which you know, you never know with KU. I mean, Texas fans know last year uh, mm. with KU, and I mean, KU is way better than they are last year. So I mean, anything can happen in the Big Twelve. Um, so they've got a tough stretch. Our stretch, our three games. You know, doable. Baylor, West Virginia, Kansas. It's very doable. It's very doable, but it's the Big 12, John. And the Big 12 is madness. You know, Baylor and West Virginia are on the road. You know, KU's a big rivalry game. They're a lot better this year. Um, They've obviously, they've secured their slot in a bowl game. Like we kind of were hoping so they wouldn't be as motivated to beat us. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But um, it's, you know, the Big 12 is just tough top to bottom everywhere you go. But it's still, I mean, everything like Kleiman will probably say, everything we want is still in front of us. If we went out, our chances of making a Big Twelve title game are very, very likely. Very, very high. I mean, you you win next week and you presumably eliminate Baylor from the from the Big Twelve title race. We'll see what happens between TCU and Texas. We could really use TCU beating Texas because that put Texas behind the eight ball with uh, with three losses as well. Uh, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting, especially from a Baylor side of things. Because I mean, you talk about some of their early season struggles at BYU, at loss at West Virginia. Never really getting in, into the thick of things of their schedule because they just played out Oklahoma and Norman. That's never easy. And the next thing you know, now you're playing the top three teams in the Big Twelve. So 
Um, I, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting. And it, it, oh, TCU especially, you got to go at Texas and at Baylor. Ooh, oh my 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 goodness, yeah. that is talk about a difficult stretch right there. Yeah. And what we need to do, John, is avoid the mistake that Texas and Baylor made with those silly losses to Texas Tech and West Virginia, respectively. We need to win the games that we're supposed to win. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that Baylor game is going to be tough, but at West Virginia and Kansas, like we we have to win those, those games because, you know, we have the hopes are high this year and they're still high even after the Texas loss. We know this team is good. This team is yeah. really good. We haven't seen a team like this in a while, I don't think. So, I mean, I think this is a team that definitely deserves to be in a Big 12 title game and be in that conversation. Um, so we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Overall, um, again, just so close to so many great memes of a Texas choke job, but they came down to a few plays and they went the way of Texas. So uh, we'll take a quick break, um, recap the everything else going on in K-State sports and go around the Big 12, talk about the other games that happened. And we're back, John. We're here to talk about some other things that are going on in K-State sports. Most notably here, let's start with volleyball. They Mm -hmm. got a win that they really needed to get. They upset 25th ranked Iowa State in Ames in four sets. Really impressive win by the Cats and one they really needed after a few tough losses. A massive bounce back match without a doubt. You were uh, they were struggling uh, Wednesday, got sucked by KU, and things were just not looking all that bright despite seeing some more competitive uh, fire from a team hitting prior to the KU match. And it looked as if it was going to kind of continue that way against Iowa State in the first set, but really the, the service game was a big difference uh, on top of that. You also got uh, Sydney Bolding, who, who – who, uh, Led the Wildcats with double-figure kills with a career-high 14. Elena uh, Baca, she earned her double double of the season as well with 13 kills and 12 digs on the night. Um, but this was a big win. Not only is it the second time, uh, second year in a row you're winning in Ames, this is the first time K-State's swept Iowa State since the 2007 year. Like, you win on your home floor and you win in Ames. That's the first time K-State's done it since 2007. Um, so that that was a great win for Coach Fritz and may and maybe puts K-State on the like not in the NCAA tournament conversation. Um, but for right now, number 62 or 66 in the RPI. If they're able to rack up a few wins this uh over the next uh over in the next few games uh down the stretch, you get West Virginia on Thursday. Um, you got TCU. Uh, in Fort Worth as well, some sometime in the near future as well. I don't re- I don't remember which date it is, but um, if you're able to make a big run late towards the season, maybe get another big win, you might be on the outside looking into the NCAA tournament. But um, at the same time, uh, you, you'll you'll be ending the season off with with a lot of momentum uh, moving forward. So uh, that that's a good that's a good sign. And on top of that, the Big Twelve has the set the second best. Uh, uh, when it is the second best when it comes to the strength of schedule as well, um, behind the Big Ten. So, um, if the Big Twelve is able to get over that hump, it could be a possibility where we're seeing seven or eight eight Big Twelve teams make the tournament as well. Yeah, they've got two um home games in a row. You already mentioned uh West Virginia at home this Thursday, and then the week after that, November sixteenth, they've got Oklahoma at home. So a chance to get a couple wins. Um, they got Texas Tech at home a little bit later on senior night. Finishes the season at Baylor, which is obviously going to be really tough. But you've got a shot here to get some wins, buff up that resume a little bit. And I'll tell you one thing about West Virginia: what on how different it is doing a, on a Thursday night, um, because uh, there's there's nine teams in the Big Twelve um, with Oklahoma State not having a volleyball team. Um, so West Virginia, they're Coming into the Sunflower State, they're going to play K-State on Thursday and KU on Saturday. Uh, and K-State will have their bye on the Saturday. So the schedule really works. And especially where West Virginia has been this season, uh, K-State has a real shot of pulling off another big win uh, on Thursday. Yeah, that's definitely going to be a really huge win. Let's go ahead and move on um, to basketball here. 
Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about women's basketball real quick. Um, they had another exhibition game against Newman. Um, oh. The Newman Jets, and boy, oh boy, <laughs> was it something. 104 to 47, <laughs> your, your women's Catskaball team, the Aggieville Alley Cats, would say come out on top in a very, 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 very dominant fashion. Oh, my gosh. One. I mean, it was like 49 or 49 to 17 or something at halftime. 45, 18, 40, geez, 45, 18. They used a 26 point first quarter uh, and 50% shooting in the second quarter. They, I mean, they just absolutely curve stomped Newman with all due respect to, to them. I don't know why they're in the division two. They're, they're, they're an NAIA team at best, Uh, but, K-State dashed out to a 14-2 run to begin the game. Uh, Gabby Gregory, um, she just continues to um, just really show up. Uh, very impressive uh, with the way she's played already. Uh, she scored eight of the 14 Wildcat points in the first six minutes. Um, so she is going to be – she's a massive contribution uh, to uh, to the offensive side uh, for K-State this uh so far uh in in the first two exhibition games yeah and of those 104 points 50 of them came off the bench john i mean you saw emily ever get 12.6 boards heavenly greer gets 11 points so this was i mean a team effort um all around so i mean i don't know how much we also want to talk about you know what beating newman 104 to 47 so uh definitely carry some positive momentum into this oh go ahead power in newman (laughs) Newman is is powerful, and to beat them like that is <laughs> absolutely insane. Yeah, I've heard they're the UConn of uh, Division Two basketball. Aggieville was flooded <laughs> on Friday night after that big, big win. <laughs> we're, we're taking down the Nets. Terrible. Oh, man. Uh, anyway, um, both the women's and the men's basketball team who we'll talk about in a little bit are opening their season Monday night. So depending on when you're listening to this, it could be tonight. It could have already happened, um, but they're playing well, the women's basketball team is cent- playing central Arkansas. The men's basketball team is playing university of Texas, Rio Grande Valley. Um, let's go ahead and talk about this men's basketball team a little bit, John. Um, obviously we haven't played a game since the exhibition against Washburn. But uh, a couple things I'm thinking about is, are we going to change the starting lineup at all? I mean, our starting lineup, based on what I remember, Marquise Noel, Cam Carter, Keontae Johnson, Ish Masood, and uh, Bebe Ijiola. Um, the I mean, I think Cam Carter played well enough to earn a spot and keep yeah. that spot in the starting lineup. The only thing that I would, that maybe Coach Tang will change, swapping out Ish Masood for Naquan Tomlin. Um, but who knows? I think Ish Masood had a solid exhibition game. I think Naquan Tomlin played really well, though. Um, but he could be a sixth man type of guy that we may use later on in the season. But um, that's obviously it's still super early on and we're still working out the kinks. Um, and then obviously, you know, the two concerns we talked about on our show on Friday, make some free throws. Don't turn the ball over as much. That's what I'll be looking for. De- definitely. I mean, the free throw shooting, uh, I mean, it can't be a problem moving forward. I mean, 15 of 29, that's almost 50 percent from a from a charity stripe. Uh, I mean, that's just not going to cut it against, especially against the better competition that's that K-State's going to uh, face uh, here in the next coming days. Um, I mean, we've seen some of the struggles in the Bruce Weber, Bruce Weber when it came to free throw shooting. But I mean, those are those are gimme points and you got to You got to capitalize on that. So I mean, that's one. That's probably the ma- major uh, major factor I'd put into consideration. I think I think you're right about the starting lineup. Cam Carter played really, uh, really good. I I I probably keep him in the lineup as well. Um, I mean, just can continue to play aggressive, uh, you and play very physical, athletic, um, because those will, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, um, uh, it's gonna it's gonna really benefit you in the long in the long in the long run and. Uh, ball control as well. What was it? 19 turnovers uh, to 17 assists. Uh, just can't have some of those miscues as well. Jerome Tang and the players knew uh, it wasn't it that that was that was not a good sign uh, as well after the game. But you know you were getting rusty. We'll see what happens against UTRGV as well. So um, 
it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Hopefully the fans show up as well, because I mean, I, I, the, the, the crowd was pretty it was pretty. Nah. A bit, uh, no, the, no. The, student, the student section was good, but the but everybody else didn't. Everybody else well, OK, one, it's an exhibition against Washburn. I know it's Jerome Tank's first you know, game. It's not his first official game. That's uh, Monday yeah. night. But still, I mean, I think uh, Glenn Kinley had an interesting thing on Twitter. I think the attendance was sixty eight hundred. Um, we only did that four times last year, John, the entire season. And we got 6,800 for an exhibition game. I think it's going to be a really good crowd on Monday night. I'm going to try and be there. Um, I think my dad and his friends are coming. So um, I think it's going to be, it's going to be really exciting to see Jerome Tang in official regular season basketball where, you know, the it actually goes on the record. It's, it's cool to do double header stuff with women's basketball as yeah. well. Hopefully people show up to watch them. Um, you know, show up at five thirty. Watch the women's basketball team. You know, we saw how bad they beat Central Arkansas. It was like one hundred three to forty or something last year. Hopefully, they can put up a similar figure against them this year. Um, you know, they can collect that paycheck and get out of here. Uh, the men's basketball team. You know, they played it at Monday night. Then they go to at California on Friday, um, before playing Kansas City. Uh, six days later, November seventeenth, then a double doubleheader with women's basketball before they head to the Cayman Islands. So hopefully, they can yep. get off to a strong start. Uh, really excited for that. Um, if you've got nothing else to add for the basketball, do you want to go ahead and go around the Big 12, John? I was looking at um, some of the ESPN FBI projections uh, that, that came out for the men's basketball team. K-State's only a 38% favorite at Cal. Uh, really? 38%. If you look it up on ESPN, uh, it, it is, I mean, that 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 shocked me. I do not see anything out of Cal that, that's going to really indicate those numbers, but um, yeah, you get Cal uh, and then eventually you get Kansas city as well with a double hitter. And then next thing, you know, you go to the Cayman islands and you get, you get a pretty good Rhode Island team that ju- that will definitely be a, a better boost of competition than Cal should be. Uh, so uh, that's going to be, I mean, you, you'll have a few big tests early on um, to really see whether you, whether Kista can take the next step moving forward. Or are big, is it going to take some time to develop? And I still think there's there's a, a lot lot of uh, things to really build and uh, put into place. But um, I don't know. We'll, we'll just see what happens. Yeah, just for reference on Cal, they went 12 and 20 last year, Jeez. 5 and 15 in the Pac-12. In the, the Pac-12. Pac-12. Not even the Big 12. The Pac-12. And we've got a new coach and a bunch of new players, which obviously creates some kind of kind of clouds um, how well, to judge a team. But that's, well, that's mean, absurd. If you look later in the year on ESPN's FBI projections, K-State was favored against Texas Tech, <laughs> Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Florida. They were favored against Florida, Wichita State. Uh, I mean, so those are like – those are definitely the games in which – like I, I could see like it's gonna be fifty or fifty or so. K State should be at least a seventy five percent plus chance of beating Cal. Though I mean, c- come on, we, we, I mean, we talk about this with Texas in football with how much they're like it's eighty percent against every team that they play. Next thing you know, basketball comes comes around and they're gonna give all the love in the world to Cal. Come on, yeah. All right, let's go ahead and go around the Big 12 real quickly, John. Let's start with Texas Tech, TCU. Horned Frogs come out on top 34-24 in classic TCU fashion. Um, yeah. I believe TCU is up 13-10 at halftime, but uh, Baron Morton goes out with an injury because, of course, he does because he's playing TCU. Yeah. And uh, they ended up uh, scoring a bunch of points, You know, put up 21 in the fourth quarter to get the win 34-24 and stay undefeated. I mean, you, you, man, you really put it, put the nail on the coffin right there. Classic TCU. I mean, Texas Tech arguably gave us one away when it came, to, when it came to a coach's perspective. Um, I think Tech was tra- trailing 20 to seven early on in the fourth quarter. If the defense was playing great, they were confusing Max Duggan all afternoon. I mean, with the ball up the 36 yard line as well without Baron Morton. Tech decided to go on a fourth and two, and it resulted on a turnover on downs. I mean, you just can't have those. You just can't have those type of situations, especially especially on your side of the ball. We saw this. Um, we saw this when Tech played at K State. 
they they went for it on on a fourth and one, four for two, uh, in their own territory, and uh, K State K State man uh, pulled applied the pressure, but got to them, and uh, K State converted uh, after that. So, uh, just some of us coaching blunders um, that you got to put in the consideration. Max Duggan didn't have his best game either. Uh, he was 12 of 23, 195 yards. Um, not having Quentin Johnson because of the injury really hurt 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 the TCU offense as well, uh, particularly the wide receiver core. But TCU just continues to do what they do. They go down or uh, in the bigger parts of the games, and they just say, you know what, enough's enough. Uh, we're we're gonna take things seriously. Uh, They're because... like the opposite of Texas, so that's why it's that's gonna be a fun game on Saturday. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Texas starts off real hot. TCU starts off real slow. Vice versa the other <laughs> way around uh, in the second half. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, that's going to be a really fun matchup uh, this Saturday. Yeah, and um, we got to talk about Kendra Miller, too. 158 yards rushing and a touchdown. I mean, he's definitely – he's up there with the Deuce Fonz and the Bijan Robinsons. He's one of the best running backs in the Big 12. So uh, we can go ahead and move on. Uh, let's do um... – I mean, Iowa State beat West Virginia, so Iowa State won a Big 12 game. Good for them. Um, Xavier Hutchinson had a pretty good game, 123 yards. I don't know if we need to say anything about it. Let's go ahead and move on here to KU. Oh, dang it. Oh, what you uh, want? Did you want to say something about West oh, no, Virginia, Iowa just, State? I was just going to say Neil Brown's got to go. That's all oh, I yeah. got to say. Yeah, what he's done dumb, for. What a dumpster fire West Virginia is. You give up 31 points to freaking Hunter Decker's <laughs> quarterbacks. That is pathetic and sad. Uh, yeah, you you did not deserve to. You, I'm shocked West Virginia didn't fire him yesterday after the game. I don't know. I mean, that's just you can't have it. You can't have it. All right, next game here: Oklahoma State Cowboys, Kansas Jayhawks. John, the Jayhawks are going bowling. Oh man, they're going bowling. They took the goalpost and they threw it in the river, the Kansas River. <laughs> Because what? Because what is it like? The third time they've done it this oh, year. Oh, I just—they've ruined storming the field. It they, pisses and, me off to no end. And they come out on on Twitter uh, later at night saying, "Hey Tennessee, we don't need to have a GoFundMe account. We already got a goalpost uh, in place." So man, that uh, is so cringe. So cringe. A, Tennessee hey, beats Bama, uh, and you you beat a hey, third string. Qu- John and, and a terrible Oklahoma State defense too. Despite the fact that defensive coordinator Derek Mason, uh, he was ripping on his players up at the locker room from what from what it from what uh, what uh, from what some of the rumors indicated. They allowed 350 yards in the first half. 350 yards in the first half, and the Jayhawks took the first drive on the third quarter to go 75 yards and 15 plays to score. And they go up 31 to seven. I mean, the Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders is the only thing that's keeping them afloat uh, or trending water. Uh, I mean, that I don't think I've seen this big of a meltdown from a Mike Gundy squad in a long time. And that's really saying something. I mean, you get obliterated 48 nothing, worst Mike Gundy, worst loss in the Mike Gundy era last week. Next thing you know, you just get obliterated by Kansas. Uh, you just, you just can't have that. But, Shout out to Kansas, man. They did the they did the impossible. They did the impossible. <laughs> Neil Brown. I mean, shoot. I my head still my head Neil still. Brown. Brown. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. Uh, uh, but Lance Le- Lance Leopold. I mean, there is not there's not a better story. Maybe TCU since they have a first year head coach as well. Um, but Lance Leopold, he just continues to solidify himself as possibly the coach of the year in college football, uh, just where with the way Kansas has been. They're now 6-3 and three in the season. Uh, CBS is projecting them to play Missouri in the Liberty Bowl. Uh, they should just move that game to Arrowhead because the Liberty Bowl yes. is dumb. It's still better than, than uh, Memorial Stadium, don't get me wrong. Uh, but, you know, the days of Kansas, I mean, of being a pushover and a guaranteed Big 12 win or cakewalk, I mean that's that is all gone. That's thrown out of a window. Uh, it just continues to show that the Big Twelve, it, it there's never a night off. Well, maybe West Virginia now. 
if you want to consider them a cupcake. But overall, very, very, very is when you when Kansas is looking good, uh, you know you're gonna get you're gonna get some type of competition uh, each and every day. Uh, and you know, I mean, a lot a lot of my friends from KU like they haven't been this happy in a long, long time. They deserve it, but I mean, they're gonna be taken back to reality in, uh, in the next three weeks. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, big win for KU. Very now bowl eligible. Yeah, Devin Neal. Devin Neal showed up though. My gosh. Yeah, two hundred twenty-four yards rushing, hundred and ten receiving. Holy cow! That is, I mean, that is just crazy. Um, I mean, okay. On the I mean, field storming thing, if they hadn't stormed the field against Duke and Iowa State, and then they did it against Oklahoma State, I would understand. But the fact they're storming the field after every home win, it's like, is this their last season ever? No. It's like, it's like Clemson. It's like Clemson when they storm the field after every game. They, I mean, dude, Clemson storms the field against, like, freaking Furman. And yeah, they, Furman, it's, just, it's just been ruined now. It's, just, it, it's it, such a it, shame. It's, it's pathetic. And on top of that, of course, Kansas won't get reprimanded. Their security must be at an all-time high. I mean, just, just – <laughs> I don't avoiding, think it is though. <laughs> avoiding any troubles at all. I mean, the, I mean, KU might be one of the more luckiest uh, athletic departments uh, when it comes to field storming, but I don't know. Uh, I digress. D- uh, Jason Peen also had a really good game. He finished the day 18 to 23 for 203 yards, two touchdowns, zero inter- interceptions. Uh, he also had a, uh, he was also, he also rushed for 93 yards as well. Yeah, the big win for KU again. Congrats to them for going on bowling. Um, I'm sure you guys will have a ton of fun in the Liberty Bowl. I've heard their stadium is magnificent. I know. Uh, it's but, state of the art, just chefs oh, yes. all around. I mean, I think it has interior plumbing, so they're just. I mean, it's it's a oh, heavenly experience, dude. <laughs> but the indoor plumbing, get out with that, dude. It just makes me want to just jump live there. The yeah. It makes me want to live there. Yes. I'd oh. love to spend the night in the freaking Liberty Bowl in Memphis of all places. That that sounds like a blast. It's better yeah. than being in a porta potty in Lawrence, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Who who wouldn't li- want to live in the stadium in the second coolest city in Tennessee? I mean, like, it just sounds like a dream come true to me. Let's go. Ahead. We've clowned on KU enough, John. Let's move uh let's move on to Baylor, Oklahoma here. Um, a game on ESPN Plus, which is still unbelievable to me, but a very good game nonetheless. Baylor comes out just barely on top, 38-35. Uh, Blake Shapin did not have the best game, 132 yards and a pick, but it didn't matter when your running back rushes for 192 and you rush for 281 as a team. That'll definitely get the job done. The one thing I took in the, uh, that I saw was really Oklahoma's turnovers and you know we heading into the season i mean uh, everybody was thinking so highly of dylan gabriel and this oklahoma offense it's just kind of gone spiraling a little bit uh when looking at the box score oklahoma outgamed baylor 499 to 413 yards they doubled them up in passing yards but baylor came out victorious because much of that has to go with because uh much has to give credit to baylor's defense they picked up uh, Dylan Gabriel three times, all all of them I believe were tipped balls, and uh, and uh, that was really the difference of a game. Baylor turned those interceptions in, into ten points, and in what you should have probably got gotten a lot more than just him. But uh, they were Baylor's offense was a lot more efficient running the ball as well, uh, ending the day with two hundred eighty one yards as well. Yeah, we were definitely rooting for Oklahoma in this game because we wanted Baylor to have three Big 12 losses to keep them out in third place. But they got the job done. They're still tied for second with us in Texas, so it's going to be a really big game this Saturday. John, um, let's go ahead ahead and do – go ahead. I was just going to say, just when we didn't need enough more chaos uh, (laughs) from a K-State perspective, I mean, we are K-State, though. We're going to embrace all the chaos in the world. Oh, yeah, definitely. Let's go ahead and do um you want to talk about these bowl projections bowl projections from yeah. CBS. I think there's a lot of good stuff in here. 
Um, for from a K State perspective, they have us playing North Carolina in the Cheese It Bowl, um, which I think is fair for right now. Um, mm-hmm. it'd be a little underwhelming based kind of how we're feeling right now. You'd like to be, I think we're in the Alamo cotton sugar. That's kind of the hopes for K state fans right now. So cheese, it would be a little underwhelming. Um, they got Oklahoma state in the Alamo bowl. I think they're going to fall off, um, so. and lose some games. So I don't think they're in them. I don't think Oklahoma state's making the Alamo bowl. Um, and then the cotton bowl is Oregon, Cincinnati. Um, I think we've got a shot to sneak our way into the cotton bowl. Um, so, I mean, what, what else, what other takeaways do you have from these CBS bowl projections, John? Some of the more powerhouses in college football, really going after the new year six slots, you got Michigan and USC. I think Oregon's going to win the pack. Game, well, though. I, I think it, I think it's good. I think I'd switch Oregon and USC around, uh, the sugar bowl, you get LSU and Texas. That was a fun game a few years back. Uh, LSU is now in the driver's seat for the SEC West because <laughs> Alabama uh, lost on a two-point conversion. Uh, man. Just crazy. Uh, and now Bama selected to play Clemson in a non-playoff game. <laughs> wow. Uh, that is just shocking. Uh, man, I I mean, just I, I, I'll get to some of the other bowl games, but are we looking at possibly the final few years of the Nick Saban era because – We've seen Alabama kind of rapidly, not not decline rapidly, but it is slowly but surely kind of falling off a little bit, I must say. Yeah, you've got the two loss season in 2019, and then you lose the Natty last year. Your two losses this year. Uh, And and the national championship was during a COVID year, in which, I mean, it was a COVID year. I mean, that team was was still still crazy good, though. it It was still crazy good, but. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I can't use that as an excuse now because Iowa State fans would go all over me <laughs> uh, if I if I said any further. Um, let's see, well, let's see what else we got. We got Penn State and Ole Miss and the Citrus Bowl. That could be a fun game. Uh, and then, of course, with, oh, Baylor and Arkansas, but in the Texas Bowl, the old rivalry. Same goes for Kansas and Missouri. How about Florida State and UCF? Oh my gosh! UCF played Florida last year in the Gasparilla Bowl. Uh, now they're playing Florida State. Now that would that that be another Super Bowl for UCF. Oh, yeah, uh, that, that would be a Bowl. staple win. That would be uh, awesome. Yeah, and- I mean that would really solidify them being the uh, being a part of a main Power Five in the in the state of Florida as well. I don't think Iowa State's going to go bowling though. Uh, they have they're projected playing the first responders bowl against UNL UNLV, but I mean Iowa State's schedule it's kind of brutal as well. Uh, late in the season, I haven't I, I can't remember who they're playing TCU at the end of the year uh, in Fort Worth. That's probably going to be a loss as well. Yeah, they've got at Oklahoma State, which I mean you never know given how they just performed against KU. Texas Tech at home, and then at um TCU and they're four and five right now so they need two wins to go bowling it's that could be kind of tough to find two wins there um one thing I do like John guaranteed rate bowl Oklahoma Iowa I was talking about this to you before the show Iowa's offense versus Oklahoma's defense it's just gonna be a showdown for the century that is gonna be popcorn ready what's the over under for that game um Well, Oklahoma has an offense. They do have an offense. Iowa's got a defense, though. They do have Iowa's, a defense. Iowa's offense has shown up a little bit. What was like they scored thirty-two or twenty-four on Purdue last, this past weekend? Holy cow! Um, did you did you see um did you see the Purdue train got stuck midfield before kickoff? Oh, I didn't see that. Oh my man, god, man! They put up twenty-four points. That is unbelievable. But right before the game, the Purdue train gets stuck at midfield. Uh. Like they had to have multiple people like try and push the push the train. It took like thirty minutes to get to get the train off the field. <laughs> it's, it's it's like the it's like the sooner wagon, but it's it's actually a choo choo train uh, that they that they take out on the field. So that's pretty uh, awesome. Uh, that that is pretty cool. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at ESPN's projections as well. Uh, you, I mean, they got two guys projecting this. So, I mean, you got you got a, a lot of variety. I mean, they got Texas and Tennessee in the Sugar Bowl, but who's going to wow. be the best? Who's going to be the best UT? I don't know. Not none of them are the best UT, uh, <laughs> in, my, in my humble opinion. Yeah, burn orange is always a terrible color. 
Uh, but the but uh, ESPN they do have K State and the Alamo Bowl. Uh, it's either against USC or UCLA. I'd rather take USC though. I'm yeah, right. I mean, I don't really want to run it back against UCLA. I mean, we've what played them twice in the last ten years in the uh, Alamo Bowl, and then what was the name of the bowl where Josh Rosen didn't play and we beat the crap out of him? Well, that was the guaranteed rate bowl, but it was oh. called something else. Was it the Motel Six Cactus Bowl? Jeez, that's depressing. oh, was it the Cactus Bowl? It might have been the Cactus Bowl. When you have a sponsor like Motel Six. I mean, that's got that be... sounds like a December like fifteenth ball game. <laughs> Not like you know. I mean, I know we weren't playing in the best ball. We weren't the greatest team exactly at give that me, time. Give me another win over Lincoln Riley and yes, oh definitely. Uh, and then where where do where do they have KU? They have KU in the Liberty Bowl again. Uh, versus this time against UCF, KU versus UCF in Memphis. I I a little like new Big Twelve showdown. I like that. And then you also got KU and the guaranteed rate bowl against Iowa uh, as well. Wait, uh, Oklahoma? No, uh, no KU. Uh, uh, well, one of the guys has KU in the Liberty Bowl. The oh, other okay. Guy KU and the guaranteed rate bowl against okay. Iowa. Okay. Now it's that's like, even more fun. KU's defense versus Iowa's offense. That's uh, even that's man. an even better matchup. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> And then you got and then uh and a lot of Keith Martin Armed Forces Bowl. You got either Iowa State or Texas Tech playing Memphis uh, as well. So uh still a lot of football to be played, Blake. I mean, shoot, who who knows where who who knows at this point where the likes of Baylor, Texas, K State, Oklahoma State end up. I mean, it's just gonna be a chaotic mess. Like we could probably pin down Oklahoma and Kansas. Uh, to where they're gonna be, they're just gonna be in the bowl bowl slots uh, below where where everybody else is. So yeah, there's a lot of different scenarios that could happen, and we'll be right here for it, John. Oh, bowl season, it's just gonna be a blast. You yeah, know, it's you, the you most wonderful it. time of the year. You just killed it right there, and we'll we'll be there to to cover it all for you. <laughs> oh yeah, right here. Um. All right. Well, I think this is a good place to end it. We've had a lot of fun on this show. Usually these shows are these pods uh, recapping games are kind of all over the place, but uh, I think this one turned out pretty well. So yeah. um, thank you for listening. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at shake and Blake seven, eight, five, leave a review. If you're listening on Apple podcasts and catch by 90. That's by 90. E-ball. 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 E-ball.